Morning. I feel really tall here. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to read out Joshua chapter 17, verses 13 to 18. Uh, now, when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given me but, sorry, but one lot and one portion as an inheritance? Although I am a num- numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed me. And Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest, and there, and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and Rephaim. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Do Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you, the people of Joshua, Joseph, excuse me, uh, the hill, the people of Joseph said, the hill country is not enough for us. Yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron, both those in Bethshean and its villages in those in the valley of Jezreel. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh. You are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one. You shall not have only. Sorry, (laughs) you are. uh, You shall not have one allotment only. But the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess to its farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. Thank you. Thank you, Isaac. I don't feel tall up here. You forced me to make that comparison, so brilliant. Wasn't going to mention it. have no choice now. Um, thank you very much for uh, reading that for us. Not an easy one to read. Morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Ollie, and it is really my, uh, my privilege to be able to, to, to preach to you guys this morning. Um, I'm going to start by praying, and then we'll get stuck in. Lord Jesus... Thank you so much that your word is life. And, uh, and this morning we really want to receive your life. Speak to us, Lord God. Open our ears, open our hearts. Would you transform this gathering and this reading this morning to be more than just information, but would we have Holy Spirit revelation in our hearts that we would see in clarity what you're speaking to us about uh, and that would be changed. Uh, we believe these things because you've said you're with us. So we take you at your word and we thank you. You're welcome here. Amen. Well, if this is the first time that you're joining us, uh, then you're joining us uh, in the middle of a series on the book of Joshua. Um, And we've been going through the book of Joshua, which is a book about God's people coming into the promised land. Um, We've been doing this for a few weeks now, and we've seen these guys make a really good start. Okay, We've seen them dedicate themselves to the Lord wholeheartedly. We've seen them submit themselves fully to God at Jericho. Uh, We've seen them reject the sin that was amongst them and commit themselves to God. These guys have been focused. I was really struck by by Simon's preach on on the Jericho story. For a week, these guys dedicated themselves to walking around a city in silence. A week. Like, literally think about that. If one day you had, I don't know, at work, a really big project... And God said, right, we're going to tackle this project together. What I want you to do is I want you to go to work, say nothing, and actually walk around the building in silence. And maybe blow a few trumpets whilst you're at it. These guys actually did that, and they did it for a week. 
these guys are insanely focused, insanely focused. They hear what God says and they choose to trust him and obey him. Amazing. But what we're doing now, and the the verses that Isaac read for us uh, earlier, it actually happens eight chapters later. Okay, and we're going to see what's happened to these guys. Are they still as focused? Because anyone can be focused short, short term, right? It's a bit harder long term. Just think of every New Year's resolution you've ever made, yeah? January, February's going well. Check back in in November and maybe most of us, not so much, we're thinking about the next years. We'll do it better this time. Uh, this is going to be an interesting read. And, and unfortunately, we're actually going to see these guys get distracted. We're going to see these guys lose their way and they've not quite got the same focus that they had uh, that we've seen over the previous weeks. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go through in, in three sort of separate steps. We're going to start by looking at the mission. What was it that God actually called these guys to do? We're then going to go through the passage that Isaac read to see what distracted them, what were the distractions that made them lose their way, and then we're going to see God give them an invitation back to repartner with him and refocus. So, what was the Israelites' mission? The Israelites' mission, quite simply, was to take the land. And we find this at the very, very beginning of the first chapter of Joshua. God says to this, he appears to Joshua and he says, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. Wow. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, or as Mephasa says, everywhere the light touches is our kingdom. This shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. This is the mission, to take the land. At this point in the story, that's what God has asked the Israelites to do. That's their focus, the one thing. Okay, we know that, that this is currently a land occupied by people called the Canaanites. And um, I think Chris touched upon it a few weeks ago. The Canaanites, are, they're bad news, okay? These guys are, uh, are full of, of evil and wickedness. And a lot of what they do just, just appalls God. He does not want this stuff to be happening. It included things like demon worship and as part of their demonic worship, child sacrifice. And God's saying, enough's enough. I, I do not want this anymore. I'm gonna do away with the Canaanites and I'm gonna bring in a new people, my people. And Israel will be my people and there'll be a kingdom of priests. And what Israel are gonna do long-term is they're gonna show the rest of the world Jesus, ultimately, they're going to point the rest of the world to God. That's what they're called to do. But step one on this mission is to take the land. But just after this mission statement, we see this extra, extra little encouragement that God's ad, God adds. He says this, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So step one, mission, take the land. Step two, no, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And as I've said, we've seen those guys do that at Jericho, completely trusting the Lord their God. Brilliant start. But unfortunately, eight chapters later, which is about 10, 15 years later, we see these guys get a little distracted. So let's see what those distractions are. Okay, verse 13. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Okay, straight up we see a problem. They've not driven these guys out. They've lost focus. Why? 
Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I'm a numerous people since all along the Lord has blessed me. We've got a problem, Joshua. We need more land. Sort it for us. Joshua says, if you're a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest and clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Peserit. It is hard, isn't it, isn't it? <laughs> Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. Joshua points out the problem. You've not, you've not driven the Canaanites out. If they were out, problem would be solved. Alicia and I have moved house recently, literally like two weeks ago. Um, one of the things that we decided amongst all of the logistics that we would make sure is that the old tenants had moved out before we'd moved in. Like we both thought that was quite important. Like it'd been a bit weird, right? If we'd moved in, they're like, hello, like we're moving in here in a couple of weeks. Like what would, it would have been awkward, really, really awkward. Israelites have not done what God told them to do to drive out the Canaanites. They've been distracted. How do the Israelites respond? The people of Joseph said, the hill country is not enough for us. Yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plains have chariots of iron. So they've been distracted and we'll look into what some of those distractions are in a minute. The first one that's really clear is fear. Okay, these guys are afraid. They're afraid of the Canaanites for, for some reason. They didn't have this at Jericho. There was not that fear. There was that complete trust in God. 15 years later, we see fear. The literal translation of that last bit there is these guys are saying each Canaanite has his own iron chariot. Everyone has their own iron chariot. They're kind of exaggerating. They're so full of fear that they've exaggerated in their minds just how strong this enemy is. So the first thing we see is fear. The second thing we see ultimately is doubt. They don't believe that God's with them. They don't believe that, that God's promise will be true. And then finally, we see busyness. Not busyness doing the right things, the thing that God had called them to. They're busy doing the wrong things. They're making the Canaanites their slaves, essentially. They've, they've got this workforce, which might, in human logic, make sense to some extent, but that's not what God called them to do. They shouldn't be making them their slaves. They should be driving them out. So fear, doubt, and busyness, that's what seems to have disrupted the Israelites, they've, they've lost focus, that clear sight on what we're going to be doing that we saw at Jericho, that we saw in the early chapters, it's not there anymore. They've let fear creep in. They've allowed themselves to doubt, is God really, is really going to be with us? And they've got themselves doing busy things, things that they shouldn't be doing, distracting them from giving their time and focus to the things that they should be doing. Let's see how Joshua responds to this. Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and to Manasseh, you are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to its furthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. So this is kind of deja vu for Joshua. If you remember before the book of Joshua, he's been in this situation, okay, before a fearful Israel. Do you remember the story of the 12 uh, spies that were sent into the land? 12 went in to, to bring back a report to the children of Israel of the land. And 10 come back terrified. They're big, they're giants, full of obstacles. We're like grasshoppers to these guys is what the report was. 
And only two saw the faithfulness of the promise of God and said, no, God's given us this land. And those two were Joshua and Caleb. And, and in those verses, Joshua and Caleb, they plead, don't, don't buy into this fearful, this fearful message. God's with us. If God's with us, anything is possible. But they don't. And right now we find Joshua in the same situation again, complete deja vu. He faces a fearful Israel who've forgotten the promises and the power of God. And so what he's basically saying here is he's giving them an invitation, an opportunity to get back on track, to repartner with God and to refocus on the mission. And that's where the, the passage ends. It's just a bit of a cliffhanger. How will Israel respond? Will they respond in faithfulness or, or won't they? Will, they? will they just continue along the, the manner that they had been previously? And I think that's quite a challenging verse for us to, cons- to look at actually when we consider where we are at because uh, we have a different mission, uh, the church. Ours isn't to, to drive out other nations from other land. That's not our mission today. Uh, the church has a mission to make disciples. That's, that's our mission. If we go to Matthew 28, we see this from Jesus. Jesus says to the disciples, this is at the end of Matthew, and Jesus died He's come back, he's appeared before the disciples and he's about to ascend into heaven. So this is his parting message, okay? Probably quite important. And Jesus came and said to them, the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's our mission. That's the church's mission. It's to go make disciples. It's to tell everyone the good news that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes in the heart that he's been raised from the dead will be saved. It's the gospel message that we have. And that's our mission, to tell as many people as we can about that. And what's interesting is, Jesus then adds this encouragement. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's the same encouragement that Joshua was given at the beginning of the book of Joshua, and that is the same encouragement that Jesus gives his disciples, gives us at the end of our mission statement right here. Behold, I'm with you, even to the very end of the age. Different missions, same encouragement. Why? Why does Jesus give us this encouragement? Well, I think Jesus gives us these words of encouragement because he knows we'll encounter the same distractions. Now, I, I want to I first of all acknowledge that amongst us today, there are absolutely some Joshua's and Caleb's. Those of us who are absolutely focused on the mission, nothing is going to distract us, consistently deciding this is what I need to do. But for some of us, and I include myself in this, I find myself all too easily being subject to some of these challenges and these, these distractions that we've listed here. Okay, is there anything which distracts us from this mission, if we're being honest with ourselves, of making disciples? Fear. Any of us fearful about making disciples, about sharing the gospel? Maybe a bit of fear of rejection, don't want to be rejected. Fear of man, don't want to look like a weirdo. Fear of failure, I don't want to have to tell someone this for them to ultimately not get it, to not want Jesus. 
is it possible that we've got fear in our hearts? Because if, if yes, and if we are God's people, which we are, then there is no space for fear amongst us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love and peace. There is no space amongst God's people for fear. Maybe for, for you it's not fear, it's actually doubt. A little bit like Thomas, love Jesus, love Jesus, spend, spend your time with him, but, but when it comes down to it, not quite sure you believe everything that Jesus says. What did he say when he heard that Jesus was, was, was back from the dead, like he said he was going to be? Unless I can see him physically, unless I can put my fingers in his wounds, in his hands and put my arm in the wound at his side, I'm not going to believe. Of course, Jesus turns up right in front of him and says, go on, put your fingers in my, in my wounds, in my hands, and put your arm through my side. He says this encouragement to Thomas. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Maybe some of us need to be encouraged by that message this morning. Or maybe it's none of these things. We're just busy. We're just busy. Life's busy, man, isn't it? So much stuff to do. Whatever it is for you, Jesus says this. Seek first the kingdom. And all these other things, busyness of life, they'll be added to you. God knows you need them. He's a good God. He's kind. He's going to provide. But seek first the kingdom. Prioritize the kingdom. Make that first in your life. Wonder if the uh, if the band could come back. We're going to worship soon. It's quite a long verse, but really, I've, as as I've been preparing this and I've been asking God what His mission is for us this morning, um, it's twofold. First of all, I really want to thank those of us amongst us this morning, the Joshuas and the Caleb's to thank you so much for focusing on the mission. We need Joshua's and Caleb's in the church. We do, because it's so easy for us. And I say, I I include myself in this to get distracted. Um, So if you're a Joshua or a Caleb, thank you. um, And and keep going. God's with you. Keep encouraging the church. Keep encouraging those of us who you see are getting distracted because we need it. We need it. We're we're, we're, we're humans. We need that reminder. Um, But I also think there's an invitation to those of us who would acknowledge, maybe I have got a little bit distracted. Maybe I haven't had that focus that once I did have on the mission. Christ's invitation for us this morning is to repartner with him and to refocus on the mission. He's so kind. He's not here to beat us around the head with a stick and tell us off. That's not his heart at all. He's so kind. He's so patient. And this isn't a thing of obligation either. This isn't something we should be doing because we've been told to do it. There is a huge blessing for us in this place of being on mission. We get to be with Christ. This is where Jesus is. We get to be with him, working with him. I was, uh, just as a little, a little thing that came to my mind as I was uh, on this point, I was doing a pretty boring job earlier this week in the house. I was just hanging up some clothes and I had Luca with me, uh, our four-year-old. Uh, four-year-old. Yeah, it's go, time flies when you have kids. Uh, a four-month-old boy. And, uh, and I was just taking off some clothes from the line that were dry, uh, taking up some socks or whatever, and he was there. And, and I just gave the socks to him. These are clean socks. Uh, actually, they were Alicia's clean socks, I'll be honest. And, uh, and I was just piling the socks up on him, and he was playing around with the socks. Uh, and he was joining me in what I was doing. He wasn't helping. 
wasn't particularly helpful. If anything, he was covering them in drool that I gave to Alicia later. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't helping, but I was delighted to have him there. It was, it was my joy to have him there. Uh, God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help. Like, he made this whole world pretty well without us, right? We then messed it up. Like, he doesn't need our help, but we're his kids. He loves to be with us. He loves to have us involved in what he's doing. And that's his invitation for those of us who would go, yeah, I've maybe got a little bit distracted, to repartner with Christ, our friend, as we were singing about this morning, and to refocus on the mission. I'm going to hand over to, uh, to Gemma and the guys soon, but I want to finish just with this quote from Francis Chan, which I find really helpful. It should appear on the screen. Francis Chan says this, if I want to find my friend Andrew, I can usually find him at the gym. If I want to find Adam, he's probably at the beach. If I want to find Lisa, she's probably at the shops, but if I want to find Jesus, I should share the gospel with someone. That's where he will be. He's on the battlefield. He's pursuing the mission. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for the life that you've given us. Thank you so much that you're patient with us and you are God of second chances of opportunity, of forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I just want to acknowledge that I have absolutely at times in my life got distracted from the one thing that you called us to, which is to make disciples. And Father God, I just want to give you permission amongst us right now to shine your light of truth in our lives, to reveal to us if we've got distracted, if our focus has been shifted from any of those things or anything else for that matter, where it should be on you to seek first the kingdom. We love you and we want to say have your way in our lives and we give you permission to speak to us about all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.